Welcome to the Anderson Business Advisors Podcast, the nationally recognized preferred provider for asset protection and tax planning in the nation. This show is for investors and business owners looking to save on taxes and build long-term wealth with Toby Mathis, an attorney, author, business owner, and a featured instructor at Anderson's Tax and Asset Protection event held throughout the country. Enjoy the show. Hey guys, this is Toby Mathis, and you're listening to the Anderson Podcast. I have with me today, Tyler Surratt. Tyler, welcome. Thank you for having me again. You mentioned again, because we've had Tyler on before, probably a couple of years ago, a few years ago, on something that was uh, really important at that time and remains really important, which is conservation easements. If you Google conservation easements, you're going to see that they are on the dirty dozen list with the IRS because there's so many people that have abused it. But make no mistake, the law is written to allow certain situations to benefit the taxpayer. And there's a difference between doing it right and wrong. And Tyler's here to teach us how to do it right and to talk about uh, kind of what the whole gamut is in, in, uh, of what a conservation easement is and how you can use it and how savvy tax investors or how, how, how savvy business people and individuals use it to do two things, help society and help the environment. And number two, get a tax benefit as a result. And if you don't have that number one, if you are not interested in helping uh, the environment, then it's probably not something for you, right? Is that fair? Yeah, um, it's pretty fair. Yep. Yep. So the purpose is but, conservation. Yeah. Well, that's and that's it. So it's conservation easement, right? You're could you put it in a nutshell and explain to folks what a conservation easement is? So basically, when the law was written, the US government had quit using their funds to to purchase land to conserve and and really look to its constituents or the public to be able to to do that and how they incentivize them. It was obviously through through taxes which is their greatest asset to offer. So it's a trade. So you take a viable development or, or a property that could be developed in, in some form or fashion that has a, a large market value. Uh, it doesn't really have to have a large market value, but at the same time, it just has to have, and check a couple boxes, you know, to be developed or, and also hold a conservation piece. Like, you know, does it really hold that, that conservation effort? And, and the government will offer you a tax deduction for for the market developed value of that property, and so uh, I use the the, the ex president Trump and Mar a Lago, and use that as an example sometimes where he did a conservation easement on Mar a Lago, basically saying it's not going to be developed, and he got a deduction based on the fair market value of a developed real estate versus giving away those rights in perpetuity to never develop that land. Now it does benefit that you're going to have this huge open space for the golf course, right? Right. But make no mistake about it, there was a reduction in the value of that land as opposed to putting a bunch of houses on. And so he just said, hey, I'll give that away forever so you don't have to worry about it. And I use this as an example because up here in uh, in Vegas, or uh, I should say over here in Vegas, we just had Badlands Golf Course go under and it ends up being sold in this community, Queens Ridge, which is where you know a bunch of muckety-mucks live. They were on the golf course there, and now it's being developed. Their, their backyard used to be a golf course, and now it's going to be a bunch of houses. And they never, they never did the conservation. If they had, it wouldn't be, we wouldn't be in this situation, right? So um, I use that as an example. It may be a bad one, but, but realistically, I just say you're, you're trying to accomplish a goal of either conserving land or conserving property, and you're decreasing its fair market value as a result. Yep. And I think you hit the nail on the head, even, you know, using an example of a golf course, but if you're looking, you know, 
truly at access to green space or, you know, to, to rivers or mountains or, or, you know, just anything that even in cities, like you take Central Park, for example, I don't know if it's under a conservation, but at the same time, look how much green space is in New York. But if somebody were to conserve a piece of property in in New York and, and and look at that as what could be developed there, you know, is it better developed or is it better as a green space? And and that's totally up to to the individual. But you know, really, that's what the what the government's use looking for is the people that want to conserve is is looking for those properties and wanting to conserve those green spaces. Yeah, for society, it's better. For the individual, they're losing value. So the government's giving you basically like, hey, we're going to give you something yeah. in exchange. And the conservation easement programs are where investors get together and basically take something that would have a lot more fair market value and then reduce its fair market value by giving away mineral rights, airspace, et cetera. Hey, uh, let me stop right there. And people probably can tell that you're not wearing a suit and a tie. Tyler worked with a firm doing nothing but conservation. Tyler's life is built around conservation. He runs a solar company in in, in Colorado. Is is that fair? That's fair to say. Yep. And how many how many units do you install a a month right now? Southern Colorado, we're probably you know sixty to uh, seventy systems a month in the Southern Colorado area. 365 days of sunshine, you know, even when it snows, it's still sunny, you know, the next day. So, so solar does, does work here very well. And really just like conservation, it's, it's about green, but it's about being financially smart too. You know, Mm -hmm. solar offers the 26% federal tax credit. You know, it's not something we really sell to by all means, because not, you know, not everybody could use that. And that's something you have to speak to your tax professional about, but at the same time, it does offer that and it does work, you know, if you want to manage and maintain your life, like, you know, you want a consistent cost for 20 some odd years, like solar is the way to go. Yeah. So the reason I bring this up is because Tyler isn't going to sell you a conservation easement. Tyler is the guy that I go to and I send our clients to in uh, our entire tax department sends everybody to Tyler because Tyler knows who's real and fake. And so let's go through the underbelly of conservation easements, the fakers. The people who are just trying to do a tax play, they're super aggressive. They're giving you like, if you if you give a dollar, they're going to give you $15 of deduction, <laughs> right? And which is absolute BS, right? right? But, that, but that's why they got a black eye is because you have these con artists. And I always say, when somebody walks up to you in the suit and the tie and they start talking about conservation, you should probably just go, <laughs> what do you know about conservation <laughs> yeah i think you're more you're, you're you're just trying to sell me something at this point so i sent him to tyler and say tyler who's real out there and what's a good thing to be involved so, so can you give the good bad and the ugly in conservation and, and more importantly yeah. when you were you worked at a law firm doing the actual conservation easements could you give somebody an example of how an individual like a rancher somebody with land or something uses the conservation easement to benefit themselves and then how an investor can be involved to benefit as well. Let's take that rancher farmer kind of aspect first. And in reality, do they have land that, that can be developed? They, they do. Can they continue to farm that land and continue to ranch that land? They can. And typically what they take is, is the beautiful portions of their ranch or the beautiful portions of their, you know, uh, of what they own and, and something that somebody would desire and really, you know, they have a true conservation. Do they get a tax benefit for it? Sure they do. You know, is it at the multiple that 
we're talking in, in private investment and group investment, it's probably not. But at the same time, their purpose is is true conservation. So get so a little bit giving away. What, what are they giving away, Tyler? When you say conservation, what are they giving away? It's basically giving up the developed rights. You know, like you said, like once you conserve and place that easement on that land, that land's not not worth two thousand dollars an acre anymore. It's it's worth you know pennies on that on that because a land developer can't buy that because the only way. Only person that really would want to buy that is somebody that would want some green space. It doesn't so mean you can't sell it. It doesn't mean you can't do anything with it. It can't exchange hands. It just can't ever be developed. Like you can ride your motorcycle on it. You can camp, you can hunt, you can fish. And typically uh, you can hike. Uh, you can do all of these things on this land. But at the same time, like the only thing you can't do is build a building or get what you appraise that land to be. But that's a little bit different for a farmer because, you know, you're looking at houses versus or or maybe even multifamily kind of things on, on those types of land. Right now, some of the spaces we're looking at is really green spaces that uh, in highly developed areas that can have townhomes or, you know, we're looking at four phases of housing developments that three of the phases are already developed. And you're looking at this little piece of 10 acres that accesses the river, uh, you know, and and the mountains right next to it. And so looking at those three phases of houses, yeah, that, that fourth phase has value. But, you know, if we don't develop it, we can, you know, create the green space that these other three phases desire. You know, they would like to access the river without going through somebody's backyard. Let's stop right there. So if let's say that I have, I'm a rancher and I know that I could sell my property for, you know, let's just say $1,000 an acre. But if I take away the development rights, it's only worth a hundred bucks an acre, right? If I give that right. property, I give the development rights in perpetuity to a land conservation organization, let's say like Ducks Unlimited or one of those. And I say, yep. hey, I'm going to give it away. I would get a deduction of $900 per acre if that was the scenario. And I'm not saying that's the scenario. I'm just saying that, that that's an example. What I get is a tax deduction for the reduction in the fair market value. And yep. it's not just development, but it could be mineral rights, oil, anything that's underneath that land too, right? Like if I'm sitting on a big granite depository and I know that I could sell it, you know, to the granite excavation, you know, whatever you call them, that, you know, companies that are going to dig it up right. and find it. And I know, and I can figure out how much is underneath there. And I say, you know what, this is beautiful land. I don't ever want it to be chopped up. I don't want it to be mine. And you give that right away to an organization, you're going to get a benefit for that. Is that a fair statement? Fair assessment. Yep. And really, the only thing I probably have to correct you on is it's not the decrease in the value of the land. It's actually what that land is the difference of, of development cost to, to your cost of development. So what, okay. what's the total market sales price of that land? If the land was set aside as, you know, 160 townhome lots, like what, what are those townhomes going to sell for? That That's the appraisal that the IRS is looking at as your total deduction amount. So that could be tens of millions and your developed cost inside of that could be 10 million, you mm -hmm. know? So, you know, you could be looking at a $10 million cost development and a $30 million sale. And the deduction is going to be 30 million and your multiple is going to be the difference between the two. So it wouldn't just be the, you'd have to look at the developed value yeah. and then you'd add the cost of the developed value to the, to the, to yeah. the 
And you are somewhat right on the rancher portion because if the rancher donates his own land, then you know his decrease in that value because his market value was a thousand dollars. You know, basically he could sell that land for farmland, but if he places that conservation, then then that's his deduction. But you know, the difference of private investment versus what ranchers have. Well, that's fair, you know, and that's how you get the big. That's how they're getting the multiples. That's how they're getting these multiples. So you have a developer come in and say, "This is what it would be worth." And this is where you get into the abusers because they'll come in and say, oh, this would be worth 50 million. It would only cost us yeah. 2 million to develop, right? And they're plucking numbers out of the air. How are those guys doing it, by the way? Like, are they just buying an appraiser uh, or are they just playing hocus pocus? Yeah, like, so since you and I last spoke, you know, I think you and I talked of using reputable people in the business, people that do it right now, they use people outside of the business because, you know, like you said, it's on the dirty dozen list. There's so many open audits. And the last thing you want to do is, is tie yourself to somebody that has, you know, one bad appraisal, even though they gave you 10 good ones. They, the one bad one that the IRS looked at, you know, they're going to look at all the rest of their appraisals. So what the good ones are doing now is reaching out to, to local appraisals, uh, appraisers and getting that local feel. I would say a good provider also provides you with ample documents as an investor to be well informed mm-hmm. because. When you are investing, and I always tell people this when I talk to them, you're investing in a real estate development. Like uh, if you're investing in the partnership aspect, the, the ranchers thing aside, most of your clients are, are entering into this uh, partnership type aspect. And when you become a partner, you're actually investing in a real estate development. So there's three options like do nothing, develop or, or conserve. And the good ones disclose the cost of all three. You know, they put budgets forth to all three so that you can make an informed decision. Obviously, you know, if you're talking to me or talking to somebody inside of the conservation world, you're looking for that conservation piece. So, but to be informed and have the ample documents, like that's really important to find a provider that provides you that. And you may have a developer that's developing three different projects, right? All, hey, we're going to go in phases. And they say, we want to take one of those phases and conserve it. So they're actually able to say, here's what it's worth, because this is exactly what next door is worth. We're going to conserve this parcel, and then we're going to move on and do the next. And now we actually have legit numbers. And let me just throw this at you. The reason people invest in conservation easements is because, let's say a person like me invests a dollar in a conservation easement. My expectation is that I may get a deduction that's worth four, four and a half times that amount. So I might get a $4 deduction. So I put a dollar in, I get a $4 deduction. Let's see if I can actually use the right numbers. <laughs> like four. <laughs> no, it's four. <laughs> right? Or if we go into Inglorious Bastards, it's three. Um, <laughs> you remember that? So then it's just about the math. If I am in a tax bracket that's higher than 25%, I might be okay if i'm 25 percent or below it's a wash right it's yeah. not you know, I, you know hey i didn't really benefit myself but i did something good for society you know yay i gave money away but right. if somebody's in the highest tax bracket and it's going to save them 40 cents on the dollar then they get talk of that so if you're somebody who's over five hundred thousand dollars a year conservation easements legitimate conservation easements become very attractive but a legitimate conservation easement there's a bright line right we have a what is it? 250%. So it's five times your investment where you become what's called a listed transaction. You have to disclose it to the IRS. Yep. What they're really saying is if you're below five times, chances are you're, you're kind of safe. So the groups that you work with, 
what type of multiples are you talking about in those groups? Am I am I in the right ballpark? You're in the right ballpark. I would say anything from a from a four to five. You know, you, you inch closer to that five mark, and and that really is a little bit higher. I know we're talking sense, but you know, it does make sense to not get close to that five, and and I would say closer to the four and a half, the four seven five type multiple. And like you said, the part that makes sense about this is is for somebody that's making five hundred thousand dollars and they really have no deductions. You know, like it makes sense for a W two type employee, like a high earner. It makes sense for a business owner that like you purchase an asset for dollar for dollar depreciation value or, or do you put your money towards an investment that gives you a four to one, you know, you know, by the time the tax year ends. So really the multiple part is the important part because that's keeping that deducted value or the charitable value that you're deducting from your taxes, that, that charitable deduction, that means that 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 money is in that 20 to 25% bracket. Like you, you would have paid 40% tax on that money. It's still cash out of your pocket at the 20, 25% level, but now it's deducted from your taxes. And the best benefit of this is it takes your $500,000 and reduces your taxable income. So even your tax bracket swings on the amount that you do pay taxes on. So, mm-hmm. so it really does have the, the tax benefits that, that people want because, you know, you can go out and do this. You can go da- donate you know, dollar for dollar to your church for that same deduction or, or dollar to dollar to a, a different type of charity. But really the financial play here is to keep your overall tax and tax monies in that 20 to 25% bracket, which is very appropriate, you know, and you realize that the huge uh, deduction that you're taking, but done right, like, you know, the IRS doesn't question things that are done right. Like you said before, the law is the law. And if the law is done right, the IRS doesn't question that. So so keeping the multiple appropriate is very, very important. And that's a big one. They also want to know that you're doing it for the right reasons. You're doing mm-hmm. it for the conservation. There may be a higher multiple. You may go above five. I tend not to look at, like I would say, you have to do a risk reward. If it's too <laughs> high a multiple, you better make sure. Never go above five, Toby. Never go above five. Like, yeah, I'll say that publicly, like, you just, I mean, you just don't want you're, to do that. You're going to get audited, period. You're going to yeah. get audited. I would just say unless five. there is ample, ample documentation to be able to do that, like, because the amounts we raise for conservation partnerships, let's just go over that really quick, are what the costs are to develop that property. So if you're looking at 100 lots and it's going to take $6 million to develop those lots and we're going to sell those lots for like $25 million, let's keep it in that four and a half type range then we're going to raise the 6 million because that's what it would take to develop those lots. Like we're going to raise that 6 million and then our investors are going to make the choice. Uh, there is a vote among the partnership and, and it's unanimous usually towards conservation, obviously is what we're looking for. And then our deduction is that 25 million that the investors inside of that 6 million are sharing. So raising to appropriate developed costs, like construction costs, obviously going through the roof right now, um, do you go crazy with that, you know, raise or do you, are you cautious with that? Because you don't know if that's going to sustain. So, so getting that developed cost is, is just as important as what the property is worth after development. You have to show the IRS that not only can it be developed, but that you have the funds available to do the actual. Yeah. If you do that, the reward is, hey, I'm giving up because now you've raised the money and yes, you could develop it and you could sell it for $25 million. Yep. 
and you're giving up all that profit, $19 million of profit. Right. And that in your reward is you get a deduction. Right. For, you get the deduction for the same amount. Like yeah. they're trading dollar for dollar on the on the deduction yeah. portion. Think of it, Great. think of it like a think of it like a private placement where the private placement gets all in and they say, Hey, you know what, guys? Let's give it all away. <laughs> and True. it's just a little different. They just say, Hey, you, yeah. again, just let like Tyler said it's perfect. I'll tell you in the little niche that I found in in some of the providers, which is has been a good thing and, and meets a IRS criteria of ongoing business for the entity itself is uh, some of the good providers, they, they withhold some of the acreage for development. So, you know, if you have 10 acres of land and you're withholding two, typically that land sells, doesn't get developed by the group, you know, that land will sell, which ultimately ends the assets of the partnership. And that's how, you know, people get out of conservation or out of the conservation partnership. So it's not perpetual, but at the same time, like, it does show that there's still a piece of that land that that can be developed and, and developers desire that land because they purchase it. Or, you know, I've seen it, I've seen a group develop, you know, I've seen them put townhomes on the front of a conservation easement in five acres and conserve the rest of the backyard you know, to be able to do that. So the good ones, they're actual developers, you know, they know what they're doing real estate wise. They're not just creating a tax tool. And that's something that you do want to avoid is just the creation of the tax tool. And that's why I say usually the the guys that are, you got to worry about are the ones walking around and, uh, you know, they're obviously not a developer. <laughs> well, they have more than one thing going on too. You know, some of my providers right now, like I said, they're developers. They're doing other things like they're using this one development maybe to mitigate their own taxes. And, and mm-hmm. not a whole lot of people can take advantage of a $30 million deduction. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. Toby, you might be able to do that, you know, uh, but <laughs> I'll take it. But, uh, <laughs> and they do carry forward for 15 years too so so you know if you have that you know you, you, you just well. said that you, you just went right to the area i wanted to like what is yeah. the deductibility of this is it 50 percent of adjusted gross income carry forward for 15 years uh, it's 60 actually 50. like we we tell people to plan on the 60 percent. it's that range of asset to be able to deduct That's the wild. 60%. yep so let's make this real you're somebody who's making seven hundred thousand dollars a year let's say you're in california and you're getting hit 37% federal, uh, might go up to 39.6, we'll see. But you got your state, which right now is probably topping at uh, 13. So you're in essentially the, uh, in a, what a 50% tax bracket. So you give $100,000 into a conservation easement like that. So you, yep. you, you do the private placement. The tax benefits would be, let's just say that it's four and a half. So you'd get a $450,000 tax deduction. Yep. Which is going to net you a benefit of around 200 grand. Do all the states follow the conservation easements too, or do, do they allow um, the deductibility? Or I was they... actually just texting uh, one of my investors uh, and he said, what about the state and how does that fall into that? And it's like, well, most states fortunately go off of your adjusted gross income or your taxable income. So they never get to see the conservation portion, you know, not that we're hiding anything. It just happens to be that you know, that's part of the, the federal tax return is you get to uh, your AGI and then your charitable donations come in and, and your taxable income is what your taxable income. Mm-hmm. Fortunately, most states default to taxable income. And so it, it does affect your state rate. So I've heard of state rates as high as 8%. Do you know any higher state rates? California. Is, is New York. Higher than that. Yeah. So if you're talking to paying yeah. 8 to 10% on $700,000, well, if you brought your income down by, you know, and now you're sitting at the $250,000 level, look how it affects your state taxes as well. So your overall tax benefit, you know, 
even just down to the state level, it, it can be very significant. And that's where people get scared. Significance mm-hmm. because they are adverse to risk. 2019, only 16,000 people took advantage of this strategy. And for two reasons. One is aversion to risk is what I, what I said. And, and two would be lack of deals. Like a, a lot of people got out of the space just because, you know, there's 80 plus audits open to conservations right now. But those are the abusers. They were the ones that were taking back transactions and they were. And it's them. It's yeah. them being audited, not you. You're yeah, not going to get true. audited. It's well, what they do is they look to see whether they actually, like, here's a big one is you have to give away the development right. You can't have a reversionary interest. Right. So you can't say, hey, I'm going to give it away for 20 years. Right. Now you got to get rid of your right. Right. Like you right. got to, you got to, and it's got to be in perpetuity. Yep. No strings attached. Otherwise, it's not a completed gift. And they say, right. you didn't really give it away. Same thing that you did if, if you gave your church money and said, but you're going to, you got to get, you got to pay it back to me yeah. here. They're well, it's not it. like uh, something cool that uh, most people don't know about conservations is the statute of limitations. So, statute mm-hmm. of limitations is three years from the time you exhaust the deduction. So, if you exhaust it in the first year, then even though the group may be audited in year seven and mm-hmm. something may happen to that conservation in year seven, you're, you're beyond the statute of limitations for, for that group. Point is, is to use a good provider. Like, let's just get that straight. Like not worried about audit if we're using the good providers, but mm-hmm. at the same time, like if you're exhausting that, uh, your statute of limitations starts right then. If five years down the road, the group gets audited and they reduce the amount of the appraisal and thus the deduction, that doesn't affect you because your statute of limitations is up. Yeah. And I'll put Tyler's information up. What Tyler does for you is he'll find you a good group, right? You're not a promoter or anything like that, are you? No. (laughs) No, that's the other thing with, with conservations is, you know, just how they paid promoters and advisors and things like that. Like on other group, uh, the group and I work closely together on some other development projects I just happen to have an access to multiple groups that offer these to to my clients, you know, like Toby, you know, some, you know, I share in similarity is, you know, I advise people on a daily basis of mitigation and, and it's my clients who pay me or, or, you know, so referring and taking your referrals, you and I share a couple of clients on some advisement type things and, mm-hmm. and, you know, just taking those, those referrals and pushing them to the good groups. Like, that's where my clients are already sitting and, and, and passing along that information is, is a benefit, you know, just to me in general to know that you're going to a good group. So I'll put your information out. You can always reach out to Tyler. My accountants here, you know, there's, there's, there's almost 400 of us here at Anderson and my accounting group, they like to bug Tyler. That's an interesting Zoom call, by the way. Like when you share that screen, like, <laughs> and everybody's it is a, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, no. <laughs> We don't want to see all their faces sometimes. <laughs> like, like, close that camera. <laughs> <Not> right. <laughs> I always like what's running around in the background of somebody's Zoom call. Like a mom's tears for my kids. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I actually had one with a surfer and his daughter just fucked naked. Like the two-year-old comes running up and jumps in his lap. And I'm like, I think we're going to have to blur that out. Yeah. <laughs> but he, he, he ran a, a surf, really cool operation surf at a... California and he teaches awesome. uh, uh, veterans kind of the, the PTSD. They, they they take them surfing and do a yeah. pretty intensive boot camp. It's actually really cool. But it was just hilarious because he's just like this chill, big wave surfer. His daughter's running around. Just He just strips down and says, I'm going to run around naked. <laughs> In the Zoom call, I was like, ah, ah, mm. 
We'll blur that part out. Don't worry. Right. So Tyler's this awesome guy. We'll give you his, his contact information. You reach out to Tyler. You don't have to, like, you could say you came from us, but it doesn't matter. Just, no, I like to hear that, like, that you're an Anderson client because that tells me you're even more informed and you're listening to good advice. You know, that, that does help me understand who you are as a person to be able to, to know that your inclusion in, in any group is, comes from, from good advice. We like that. And so you, you you can mention it, but you didn't pay me to say that. You didn't pay me to say that. (laughs) Take whatever you give, right? Right. Hey, I'll take it. No, but the the whole idea is that you're doing something good and then you're going to get a reward for it. And the the code is built like that all over the place. The, the internal revenue code incentivizes good behaviors, incentivizes certain investments and incentivizes you to give away certain things that have a higher value. And if you benefit as a result, that's great. That's perfect. That's why the, right. the laws are written that way. They wouldn't write them if they didn't want you to conserve things. Just know where they came from. And you're dealing with somebody with Tyler, somebody who was on the inside of this, because you worked with a law firm where you actually did the conservation easements internally for, for ranchers and farmers and stuff like that, right? Yeah, we did. Yep. And and that's kind of the basis of the background. Like I said, the, their benefit's a little bit different than it did come from a little bit of a tax perspective, but you know, their benefits a little bit different than what private investment offers now, but, you know, kind of going forward and, and, and seeing that experience and seeing, you know, true conservation, like, you know, people actually do care about the land. They, you know, I've seen 85 acres in Colorado that accesses, you know, mountains and, and things, if they were to be developed, like I said, like you're going through somebody's backyard, like how do you get through the townhome development? Like you can't block off the beauty of America. And like you said, like the, the beauty of this is, it is allowed. Like the deductions are allowed. The multiples are allowed. Everything's allowed. And, and the IRS is cracked down. And, and really their, their advisement is what Toby and I are telling you right now is, is find the good group because, you know, if not, like, you know, that's the IRS's job is to crack down on abusers and good for them, you know, good mm-hmm. for them for going after something that, that wasn't legit because, you know, those bad apples, you know, they ruin it for everybody else because that could be taken away just like anything else. Like, you know, we really want conservation to be taken away or have the government just come take your land or do you want a, a benefit? You had the abusers. You had the promoters that took it to its nth degree and it's, it's oh, the yeah. old thing. Pigs get bad, hogs get slaughtered. Don't there be you a hog. You know, okay, just yep. the law is written in a particular way and if you're following it, there's a reasonable amount. If you go above the reasonable amount, expect that the, that the group that you're going to be working with is going to get, is going to have a look-see because they're going to say you're well above what we anticipated. And if you're below that, then you're not going to have a problem. That's what we say is we, we're not saying don't go out there and get a greater tax benefit. What I'm going to say is you don't want to go into the gray area and into the area that, you know, where you go into right. the red. You're yeah. Final work is. for you and, and be informed. Like that's the best part is, is be informed. Like, you know, look through the documents and make sure everything's done correctly and look to people, you know, like Toby and your tax advisor to, to what advice they have towards, towards the group you're using. They can look at the same documents that you look at. Now, I'm going to say this. So if you're somebody who's making, I would say probably if you're married filing jointly over 500,000, if you're single, probably over 300,000, you should take a look at conservation easements, but they aren't around like all day long. Conservation easements are project-based and they're private placements. And a good developer might do what? Two or three in a year, maybe one. A good developer might do one. So if you have like start looking now. Maybe, two, maybe, maybe, maybe two if the, if the need is there and the projects are there. 
but I'll tell you some of the groups that I talked to, they're looking at hundreds of pieces of land and land just does not meet the criteria that the IRS is looking for anymore. And they're becoming few and far between because guess what's being bought up for development conservation pieces and they're developing them. That's why you can't conserve them or, or find them for conservation. So because they're being developed a piece of land that just came out of nowhere that nobody wants, that's not a good conservation. I'll tell you that much. So good developers will create one possibly too, if they have access to that kind of property, but really the IRS frowns upon per year. And I was going to say per year and it may close in June, right? It may close in July, it may close yeah. anytime during the year. This is just like any other private place. If they feel that development cost, yeah. like it's going to close, you know, like good, had a group reach out to us with significant IPOs. Like, I mean, you know, where, where they might take half of a deal. So, you know, if it's something that, that uh, a strategy you want to get in, like, you know, we can have that conversation now and, and you can plan on it and really you can take care of your tax burden right now and plan, you know, your future cash flows. You don't have to wait till the end of the year. So I'll put your information out there. If you want to just verbally say your web or email or phone number. Or uh, so my email is uh, T, S as in Sam, U-R-A-T as in Tom, at onetreeadvisors.com. You're welcome to reach out to me via my cell too. Like I'll put that out there. 719-580-3051. And I'd be glad to have a conversation about your questions towards conservation and if it works for you. I can tell you if it works for you so that you don't have to spin your wheels. And then if it does, like I can give you a couple of good groups that will help you out along the way. Tyler, I really appreciate that. And I appreciate your time today, brother. Yep. Thanks, man. Always good talking to you. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Show notes for links to everything mentioned in this episode can be found on our website at andersonadvisors.com slash podcast. Be sure you subscribe to our podcast. And if you are already a subscriber, please provide us a review of what you thought of this episode.